Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. How you doing? My name's Niall and this is Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. And soon, the Premier League will be taking a back seat as the World Cup comes into focus. Southgate selecting his England squad tomorrow, but minus Rhys James as it's now been confirmed that the Chelsea man's injury is too serious to see him on the plane to the Middle East. We'll look into how that could change the landscape for the three Lions very shortly, as well as picking apart Everton's hammering at the hands of Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup last night. 4-1 they lost, Lampard making 11 changes, and although the Premier League is the Toffees' priority, they're just two points off the drop right now. Are their fears over Frank's future at Goodison? And of course, as it's a Wednesday on this podcast, it means we try and tackle your queries and questions, and we'll be doing that this morning in the company of Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. All right, boys? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is a good morning, is it? I don't know. I mean, I'm nervous about this England squad because as we're going to get stuck into the bones of it, we're quite in the dark this time round, aren't we? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> of course, uh, the United States, Iran and Wales are all still yet to announce their squads as well. They're in England's group. All the highly anticipated Iran squad. I mean, the, Is Riza Guchanajad going to get in there? Me, I mean, That's you, the you know one more Iran player than I do. <laughs> Unless Ali Day is still playing. <laughs> <laughs> was he like record international goal he scorer was, of all time? He was, he was, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll get stuck into the, the bones of the England squad, as Joel says very, very shortly. And Joel said it is a good morning, but it certainly should be. If your name's Angie, and a massive happy birthday to you, Angie, on your special day. I know you're a big fan of the podcast, and this message comes from your boys, Brent, Holden, and Keaton. You're a huge Liverpool fan. We know that. We know that you enjoy... Can't all be perfect. (laughs) Can't all be perfect. (laughs) We know you enjoy listening to the podcast, and we really appreciate you tuning in every single day. So I'm hoping that you have a lovely time wherever you are in Saskatchewan right now. So happy birthday, Angie. Have a brilliant day and keep listening to the show. We really appreciate it. So Angie's going to be having cake and wine and all sorts of stuff. Who's going to be tucking into the champagne as they find out that they're on the plane to Qatar? But first, let's talk about last night's football because, believe it or not, Marley, there were actually matches last night in the Carabao Cup. That one seemed to slip our attention, such as the way this season has gone, that there seems to be games every single midweek. And the one result for me that stood out like a sore thumb was Bournemouth 4 Everton won an all-Premier League clash, a game in which Everton were duly hammered, a mammoth Tuesday night away trip for those fans that have travelled down from Liverpool and dismantled 4-1 after Lampard makes 11 changes. Despite the fact we know the Cup isn't Everton's priority, with them playing Bournemouth in the Premier League at the weekend, the last match before the World Cup, psychologically that's a bit of a blow, isn't it, to get turned over like that? Yeah, I think uh, you forgot they were playing and Everton forgot they were playing as well after about 15 minutes because <laughs> they're just down tools and, and turned over didn't they it was I can't work Everton out because I'm, I mean I watched them the only full 90 minutes I've watched them is is obviously when they played Newcastle and they stunk the place out they were terrible they had they, they had the ball at the back a little bit but they had not as soon as they, they went forward they had nothing 
And then the week after that, I think they played, uh, was it Crystal Palace at, at Goodison? And they killed them. Like, mm. They scored three insane goals. The one, I think it was Iwobi that finished it, was... Yeah. By team, the way, how, where's he come from this season? Well, he was, he, that's the thing. Like He was shocking against Newcastle. Mm. Couldn't string a pass together. Couldn't, mm. couldn't dribble. Kept getting caught out of position. Kept getting bodied by Joe Linton. And, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough for Joe Linton. Everyone Let's gets spotted by Joe Linton Let's these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he turns up the next week and he's mint. And then, you know, the week after they play, you know, Bournemouth in the cup. Everton don't need the cup and neither do Bournemouth. So, like, one of you has got to take it. Who, who wants it? It's there for both of them. And like you mentioned, you know, Niall, that um, they've made 11 changes. But if you look at the, the squad, it was all still first team squad players. There was no, yeah. no 17 year old experience kids in there. In there. Yeah. Really, aside from someone like James Garner, who although he played on loan in the Championship, still at Nottingham Forest, quid for him, you know, he? he's mm. still you know a decent a decent enough midfield player. Begovic was in goal, of course, plenty of Premier League games under his belt and against his former club as well. So mm. you're absolutely right; there are players there that should have turned in a better performance than they did. Yeah, it's just there's just no consistency. Like Anthony Gordon played, didn't have an impact. Morpé played, still maintain that he's one of the worst strikers that gets that gets regular games in in the Premier League, both for Brighton and then Everton. Um, you know, Patterson played. There was there's, there was talent in that squad. There was more than enough in that 11 to get a result at Bournemouth. But to be fair, Bournemouth did did really well. Um, and Gary O'Neill's done really good, considering he's still technically caretaker manager. Well, the bookies really are going to be licking their lips soon, aren't they? Because after 10 games of being an interim boss, you officially get considered the full-time manager, don't you, as far as the bookmakers are concerned? Yeah, I wonder if uh, wonder if he's going to get the peer eyes to uh, to reflect <laughs> that as well, because I don't think anyone could have done a better job than what he's done. Mm. They're nowhere near relegation, I don't think. I think mm. they're, they're like 12th or something in the league. Well, they're certainly above Everton in 17th the 17th at the moment. Well, they're, they're are above... they? Yeah. Oh, but don't forget, low? though, between 17th and 11th, is like four points between... Yeah, is, is that because they lost at the weekend as well? Yeah, yeah exactly. they lost to it's a pendulum uh, swinger at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Bournemouth and Everton obviously cool. really close to each other in the table, and that brings me on to my next question, Joel. With them playing against each other in the Premier League at the weekend, I guess psychological blow number one goes to Bournemouth, and I think we'll probably end up picking apart Everton's performance more than anything on today's show. But they're just two points off the drop zone, Everton, at the moment, and Frank Lampard came out and said that our priority is not the Carabao Cup; it is the Premier League. But it's not exactly going great in the top flight either for them right now, is it? It's quite crazy because I remember not long ago, I think it was three weeks ago, when we and me, Manchester United beat them at Goodison Park and they were just on the back of a seven-game undefeated streak in all competitions. And everything was looking rosy. They had the least amount of goals conceded in the Premier League. I mean, compared to last season, that's night and day in terms of the improvement. And then suddenly in the last let's say, five games. It just seems they've gone a little bit pear-shaped in terms of their form. But I don't buy into the narrative of the fact that, you know, he's the most under-pressure manager now because I, I clearly remember two weeks ago, yep. we were all absolutely killing Jesse Marsh because Leeds were just on the worst form imaginable. Mm. Suddenly they get an amazing result. Um, and then... At Liverpool. Yeah, at Liverpool. And, Liverpool. Then, and then everything's rosy again. Yeah. He's looking like and another he's safe. late win for Jesse yeah. Marsh as well at the weekend. So, sometimes when you're in the depths, when you're in the when you're really in the trenches in a Premier League team, you, all you need is that one big result, and suddenly everything mm. turns around. You're on the momentum then. So I think for Lampard, he just needs to find the form, and I think it's the perfect time right now for the World Cup to come for him. Yeah, because I think but, maybe if there was another five games maybe we'll be having a different discussion. You're right with what you say about Everton's defence. They've conceded 14 goals this season, which is the best outside of the current top three. Only Arsenal, Manchester City and Newcastle United have conceded fewer goals than Everton in the Premier League this season. The problem is for the Toffees that they've only scored 11. Which is the third worst. Which is the third worst. Mm. Wolves and Nottingham Forest have only scored 8 and 10 respectively. So that's where the issues lie. But in terms of putting pressure on this fixture, Marley, we say Bournemouth against Everton takes place again at the weekend down on the south coast. Bournemouth 17th on 13 points. Everton 16th on 14 points. And as Joel points out, it's the last game going into the World Cup. So you're talking here about potentially one of these two sides depending on what happens with Southampton's game, could end up in the relegation zone going into the World Cup. So this game's actually pretty big. Yeah, it's really big. Um, it's a, it's sort of a mid-season, well, third of the season six-pointer, isn't it? Because if you look at the the table, it's pretty tight down there. Southampton are about to get a new manager. They could be on a bounce soon. That will play into Everton's uh, 
mindset, definitely, because they'll be thinking, you know, we've, we've had Lampard, is it coming up to a year now they've had Lampard? Has it ever been that good? He'd survived just last season. Mm. I know they were, they're kind of, they're not as bad as the, t- the table suggests in terms of like, you know, 14 goals conceded is pretty good. It's really good, actually. But, you know, 11 scored and it's it's just not enough, is it? Like, yeah, you I mean, need, the you fact he says that, that their aim is to stay up, does that just show you what Everton are aiming for at this point in time? Yeah, I think. Which is disappointing if you're a, even an most, Everton fan. Yeah, but even the most optimistic Everton fan has to look at what they've spent in recent years and, and realise that it's a huge outlay and you can't keep doing that because you need... You probably need European football to to balance it out because mm. if you if you spend and it's like we were saying yesterday on the on the podcast like it's a huge gamble yeah. but so the so the gamble has to pay off and it hasn't because Mashiri spent half a billion and 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 then he's got the stadium as well and they've got the now the worry now is what league are we going to be in when that stadium is built and Brownlee Dock is is all shiny and new because you're not going to get the gate receipts as much in the Championship. Mm. as you are in the Premier League you're not going to get that TV money back to pay it quickly so to say anything other than Everton you know there's no there's no sort of bigger goal for Everton really than just staying up and staying up quite comfortably because they're not they're nowhere near a position to to push for the top 10 I don't think Um, and they're probably looking at save save themselves this season again keep consolidating keep making small little progress um, and that starts with Bournemouth at the weekend because if Bournemouth repeat this this result like last night, then you know they've mm. um, they'll leapfrog Everton in the standings if they do. Yeah, and Everton it will get. We will be talking about Lampard on Monday of of as the bookies next favourite to go because that's where that result will leave them. And also mm. it looks bad on on Lampard as well if he's had a 90 minutes to look at Bournemouth get beat by them and then not work out what was wrong Yeah, you have to be better on Saturday mm. you have to get at least a point to, to stop people going oh, what's he actually done in this last year yeah and it's a good point that you make about Frank Lampard so what do you think Joel how at risk is Frank Lampard of A his job perhaps coming to an end at Goodison Park and B Everton dropping into the bottom three and staying there because as Marley says they really survived last gasp, last chance saloon at the end of last season. Here they are, 16th, two points above the bottom three. Is Frank Lampard genuinely at risk if things turn sour before the World Cup? I don't think so. I think he's been saved by the bell of the World Cup, to be honest. And when you look at the Premier League table, I mean, eighth, eighth place Liverpool and 16th place Everton, only six points separates the two teams. So you got to, again, you got a perspective when it comes to the Premier League table at this stage of the season because, like I mentioned with Leeds, Jesse Marsh was flirting around the 18th position, um, had four losses in their last five, and then suddenly they're 12th place and everything's looking perfect again. I think for Everton, it's just come at the right time that the World Cup is just on the cusp of this really bad form because then when they come back um, on Boxing Day, they can regroup again. Everyone's on a clean slate. The kind of instant factor of all the form is erased from everyone's minds. Everyone's basically starting on a clean slate, aren't they, when they come back? So I think for, for Lampard, it's just the case of he's got the worst form at the right time. And we'll see after the World Cup whether that can be turned around because I still believe, like we, like we can literally see from the statistics, they're defensively really solid, which was an issue last year. Yeah. Now the issue is that they can't find the goals. Even with Dominic Calvert-Lewin coming in and out of the side, I just don't think he can be relied upon either. So that's the biggest thing he probably has to solve in January. Uh, you can't keep relying on Anthony Gordon for goals because he's still young. He's not even a striker. So I think for he's not January, even that good. yeah, he's, go. he's upset. He's just obsessed with going down. <laughs> Stay up, get a shot away. Mike, go in. Stop going down. What happened in the Newcastle game? <laughs> you see him. <laughs> no, oh, he's he, start, he's he started on the uh, Trippier and Sharp ah, bodied go. him in the next. Here week. we go. That, that's what I want to do. So yeah, but I think uh, yeah, striker is a is a big point for Lampard. I think you're right. Everton have only won three Premier League games this season, but they've drawn five and lost six. And actually, if you look at the teams around them in the table. Aston Villa have lost seven, Leicester have lost eight games, West Ham have lost eight games this season. Of course, there are all the teams below them that have lost more matches as well. So in terms of actually being solid at the back and not losing matches, 
Everton are in a pretty decent position. But they weren't very good last night as they were hammered 4-1 by AFC Bournemouth. They are out of the Carabao Cup. Some of the other results involving Premier League teams last night include Leicester dispatching League 2 side Newport County by three goals to nil. Jamie Vardy was on the score sheet a couple of times there. And Brentford were bumped out by Gillingham, another League 2 side seeing off Premier League opposition. Um, they won 6-5 on penalties, did the Jills. I think they had one shot on target the whole game and that ended up in the goal um, match finish 1-1 and Gillingham winning 6-5 on Penn so they're through Brentford are out and there are some fixtures tonight there's loads of fixtures as well plenty of all Premier League clashes as well Wolves versus Leeds Forest Spurs Arsenal Brighton Southampton Sheffield Wednesday West Ham Blackburn Rovers Newcastle Crystal Palace and Man City against Chelsea so if you're going to pick one game out of those Joel that you're probably going to take in tonight. I imagine it would be that City-Chelsea game. I was thinking the Southampton-Sheffield Wednesday, to be honest. Oh, yeah, a little tasty one. <laughs> you know, League One, Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> down on the I South Coast. I was trying Coast. to find a stream for that one. Yeah, City-Chelsea, that's a big one. But as we know, the Capital... I can't call it the Capital One Cup. The Carabao Cup um, <laughs> is the... Depends on your, your, your age, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the like, era. It's the era. Rumble Capital cup. One, yeah. I used to milk. Carlin, <laughs> the milk it's the Carlin was a little bit out of my era, nicely. that one. But we had this discussion on Football Social Daily a few years ago, and we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but who cares? It's a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> why is it that nearly all of the sponsors of this competition have been drinks? So you've got Carabao. We need some energy while we watch <laughs> it. You've got Carabao, Carling, Coca-Cola. What's Rumble? What was Rumbelows? Rumbelows. Was, was that a beer? Uh, it wasn't a beer. What so was I that? only found this out from talking to the older generation. Uh, it was one of the first sponsors because it used to oh, be right. called the Milk oh, Cup, the Carabao Cup. Mm. And then it became called the Rumbelows Cup. And Rumbelows was like a catalogue where you could rent out microwaves and fridges and TVs and stuff. It's basically yep. like an equipment rental thing. According to okay. Wikipedia, it was uh, it was an electronics retailer that rivaled Curry's, Dixon's and Comet's. Yeah, yeah. Just anyway. a reminder to everyone, this is a football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show how interesting the early stages of the Carabao Cup actually is. But there are some good fixtures tonight involving Premier League teams. Anything interesting in those matches happens. Of course, we'll bring you it all on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. But we aren't done here today. Of course, we still got to answer your questions as well as talk about England's World Cup squad as it's been announced that Rhys James will not be on the plane to Qatar. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from Sports Social and, of course, an award-winning podcast as well. If you want to keep in the loop with all of the latest when it comes to the top flight, then you're in the right place. Hit subscribe and that way you will not miss another episode, including during the World Cup where we'll be keeping tabs on exactly how England are getting on in their group, which contains Iran, America and, of course, Wales. That first game is against Iran. One o'clock on Monday afternoon, UK time, the 21st of November. So circle that one on your calendars. But unfortunately for Chelsea's Rhys James, he won't be involved. He is out of the World Cup. That has officially been confirmed. It was the news we were all expecting, but eventually it's been confirmed that he won't be there. So Gareth Southgate, Joel, leaving it as late as possible. The announcement for the squad, the 26-man squad, is tomorrow, Thursday at 2pm. He's basically given himself as much time as possible. He's given Rhys James as much time as possible to declare fitness or not. Turns out he's not going to be available. It's too much of a risk. It's news we expected, as I say, but how much of a blow is that to England, do you think? 
Yeah, he's, he's by far the best right back in the Premier League easily. And he fits the three back formation so well, probably even better than Trent would just because he's super explosive. He's got so much in his artillery in terms of his um, speed, in terms of intelligence on the right, getting goals as well and assists. So it's, I think it's a massive blow because we don't really have anyone similar. Maybe Kyle Walker of five years ago, but now... Right now, you know, Trippier isn't the kind of right back that is going to start overlapping and getting in the box. Trent Alexander-Arnold's never been that player because his set pieces and his ball playing ability is his main technical area. So it's going to be a bit of a different look on that right side. I think um, whoever's going to be behind Saka, Saka's going to have to put in a lot more work, I think, especially in the attacking areas because Reese James would have easily taken on a little bit of that responsibility. Whoever it is now, I mean, he's going to have to do double the work, I think. So it's, it's, it's a massive blow, but like we've been mentioning for the last six months, we are absolutely stacked on that right-back position. Yep. I just don't know who fits that formation anymore because Trent clearly isn't someone who Southgate trusts, especially in that formation. I think he will probably go with Trippier and Walker as the Trippier uh, right back and then the Kyle Walker right centre back just because he's tried and tested it. And as we know with Southgate, he's very risk averse and he'll stick to who he trusts and what he knows. Yep. So I think that that will be the case in that sense. Well, we don't know whether Kyle Walker is available. We do know Rhys James isn't going Marley now. Do you think that means with Rhys James missing out that we might see a back four for England and for Southgate after all? Uh, I, I hope so. Because I'm sick of seeing Bukayo Saka put at left wing back because we haven't got <laughs> anyone else sort of there. Um, and that becomes even even um, more important now that, that, uh, that Chilwell's missing from the from the World Cup with um, the mm. torn hamstring or whatever it is. And I, um, yeah, I do. I want to see the back four. I want to see Shaw at left back because he's the only one. Um, and then trippier at right back because number one I'm biased and number two is the best we've got well I was going to say in the absence of James does trippier mm. now start the first match against Iran at right back yeah I think so I don't I don't see why I mean obviously it's between him and Walker but if you look at the season they've had mm. trippier's you know been the best he's played more games the best well, right back we've mm. we've got in the country I think um what over Alexander Arnold <laughs> <laughs> well can, yeah by virtue of being able to defend yeah well can can trippier play left back no absolutely not because he, the the reason you put Trippier in the team is because of his delivery. Yeah. And if you play him on the left, he has to chop back onto his right, and it it slows down the the um, the attack. So when you're going down the left hand side and you've got Trippier and he's in space, he won't cross it on his left because it's not as good as what he can do mm. on his right. And why would you play him at left back when Shaw can just play there anyway? Yeah, I mean, I fully expect Shaw to get injured at some point in the World Cup. I honestly expect us to have a, a, a left-back crisis at some point, but I have to cross that bridge when we come to it because there are no left-backs other than Shaw that could go as a backup. Yeah. Um, do you think Trent Alexander-Arnold now is in the squad? By virtue of James now officially missing out, do you think that Southgate's contingency plan is I Trent Alexander-Arnold goes? Because, of course... I think he'll go. You mentioned about his defending. That is the big question mark over well, Alexander-Arnold. But going I, forward, his creativity, his delivery and all of the other things, he's exceptional. Mm. So he, ha I mean, I think but in terms I think of an extra more option, that James has got injured. Uh, sorry, that James isn't going. Yeah, that 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 means Trippier will play left back, even though I, I don't think he can. I think Southgate will go. Yeah, he can do a job there, because if you've got if you've got Trent on the right, you sort of don't lose Trippier's crossing because you've got Trent's crossing. Right. So he might go. Okay, well, we can have Trippier's defensive ability on the left, and you know that sort of sort of makes up for the for the lack of defending on the right but I still don't think I don't think it's perfect but I think sort of tapping into what Southgate thinks he's he's very safe isn't he he wants a he wants um cover and he'll probably say Trippier can do can do a job it's not perfect but it'll work how does Southgate manage the feeling within the squad in terms of someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold who you've already said Joel you don't think Southgate trusts him if he comes into the squad now he knows that he's only really in there because another player has got injured. And this happens in football all the time. And you have to say, well, the player needs to take their opportunities. But if it becomes that obvious that you're not first choice, does that make it harder to perform, do you think? Or, or if Trent Alexander-Arnold does get a game, do you think that fire in the belly will be there even more so just purely because he's had the doubters? 
I mean, as a professional footballer, my first my first thought would be you've been called up for your country for a World Cup. It doesn't matter if you're the 22nd man to be named or you're there by virtue or you're there by a consequence of an injury. You've been selected and there will be probably a time in the campaign if England stay in there for long enough where he might be called upon, he might end up becoming a massively important player. We've seen it in so many circumstances, in so many World Cups where like one of the key players gets injured early on or gets a red card and then one of the fringe players ends up becoming the stars of the tournament. It's happened in so many national teams. But with Trent, in in the group stages, I'd probably trust him more over Trippier. That's to say that England should be dominating all three of the other teams. So we shouldn't be on the back foot having to need to defend. Because if you think about all the last tournaments where England finished uh, in the final, obviously in the semi-final, the defensive area wasn't even an area of concern. It was more so getting goals and creativity up front, which was why he kept trying to tinker with bringing Grealish in and then he started with Foden, if we all remember, and then he brought him out again and brought in Saka. He was he was consistently tinkering because we couldn't find that connection in that tournament, but the defensive aspects were actually pretty good. So I think in this one, it's still a pretty similar looking back five. It's just the fact that I don't believe Trent Alexander-Arnold going forward and in this team, especially in the qualifiers, he's not used him. He's not tried and tested that system. And as we've seen with Southgate, if he doesn't see consistency and he doesn't see cohesion and he's not tried and tested it, he won't choose it. So I think for this one, Trippius, who's been there since 2018 with him, he'll Mm -hmm. 100% choose him. It feels like we always have these sorts of debates, Marley, going into a tournament in terms of who will Southgate pick and who will he leave out. And we'll probably do a little bit more on this on tomorrow's podcast, seeing as that's the day when the squad is actually announced, the 26-man group that will be going to Qatar for this World Cup. Is it a case this time around, though, that there are more questions than in previous tournaments, particularly under Southgate? Because I'm scratching my head here trying to think, when was the last time we had a debate about who goes in the defence? Because obviously Maguire hasn't had that much game time. I've seen Villa fans this morning on social media talk about Tyrone Mings. We even had discussions before coming into the studio about who the third choice goalkeeper is. Is it Henderson? Is it Pope? Is it Ramsdale or, or whatever? Um, even the striker situation, mm. Ivan Tony, Tammy Abraham, Callum Wilson. I mean, Harry Kane's going, but there are options there. It's nice for a manager to have options, but it feels like in terms of getting this right, because he selected a 55-man provisional squad, I was which he's had well, to whittle down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've felt like I've got a chance for Gareth Southgate. He seems to, to dish out caps quite generously. Man, he's got his Irish, uh, Irish surname to oh, get in yeah. the Irish 23. As soon as we get knocked out of the group stages, I'm being Northern Irish again, I promise you. Um, but yeah, do you think that there's almost more questions than ever for this tournament, just because of the injuries and the players in form and everything? Um, to me, it feels that way anyway. I don't know what you think. Maybe. Um, it's hard to think of. It's hard to think back, like four years ago, of what what questions we did have, but what we didn't have was one of our starting centre backs and and uh, you know one of our captains, Maguire, not playing for his club. Like he yeah. was in the twenty eighteen. Would he? Was he Leicester? Leicester? Yeah, was yeah. he Leicester at that point? Yeah. Got, you got bored because it was that, that it was that summer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That he went to and Man then United in so. the Euros. He came back from a a couple of months out with injury at Manchester United he missed the Europa League final but came straight yeah. in his first game back off injury was for England and he did really well yeah. in the tournament so yeah so I mean we didn't have that um, that dilemma question mark mm. over over that and yeah probably um, I think as well the pressure is, is different because we've been to the semi-final of the the World Cup and then the final of the Euros there's a different type of pressure because we've got to that and we're kind of like expecting something, not expecting, but like... Well, the only next certain, step is to win it, isn't certainly, it? Certainly, yeah, you, you, you're hopeful, you know, and if you go out in the round of 16, it probably leads to Southgate, you know, losing his job. Um, so it's, yeah, the, there are question marks everywhere, really. You know, who's the best Who's the best right back, as we've said? Who's the best goalkeeper? Pickford's not been in incredible form since, yep. since the... Uh, the Euros final, so you've got Walker injury, you've got Phillips injury, yeah. Players James like you said, Chilwell. Maguire who hasn't played, yeah. It's that there's problems mm-hmm. for sure, yeah. Um, that's why I don't think we'll win it. That the, those problems and and the heat, I think will uh, will will. <laughs> that's probably the biggest one. Well, yeah. the, the tournament tree. I can't see Brazil not winning it. Put it that way. Well, a lot of people have said Brazil. I think yeah. Argentina. I think they're my pick. It's between one well, of you them. Think I think Messi's going to go out with his last World Cup by lifting the trophy. <sighs> it's not, you know, it, as well, it, it, if, it's a if we get that. to the final, that'll be Messi's 
either 999th or 1,000th game in his career if they get to the final. I think he'll retire after that, you know. He's had a chance, though. Definitely from international. Argentina got to the final. They had the chance. They didn't win. He was poor in that final as well. But mm. I don't want to upset any Messi fans because I know they're quite touchy. <laughs> but to be fair... It's down to the centre-back, so in it, really. Tra- the, the, the very top-heavy. I think top it shows heavy. that in international football, there is a mentality. And Germany, for instance, the winner in that final was scored by Mario Goetze. Mm. Four years later in Russia, didn't even make the squad. Mm. At PSV now. Mostly through injury, though, wasn't it? It was, but you bad, know, it's one of those injuries, things but... where international yeah. football, with the nature of the tournaments being every four years for a World Cup, two for a Euros, things can change. And... Unless you're Miroslav Klose. Yeah, well, he's evergreen, <laughs> isn't he? He's, he's probably waiting for a call up right now for, I would for take Germany him. I would take to him. go to yet another World Cup. But who will Southgate call up for England and the Three Lions? Uh, their squad will be announced tomorrow at two o'clock, and of course, we'll bring you all of the latest here right on this podcast feed. So, if not on the Full Football Social Daily podcast, we'll be making our predictions. Then definitely on shots, which you can pick up in the afternoons. Just subscribe to the feed, and that way you won't miss it. Right, we're almost done for today's Football Social Daily, but but not before we answer your questions. On a Wednesday, we do AQA, which stands for All Questions Answered. You've sent them into us. We'll try and answer them, and we'll do it after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. I'm Niall Marley and Joel are with me and you have been sending in your questions via social media, whether that be Twitter, at FSDPod is the handle, Instagram or Facebook, you can get in touch with us as well. And indeed on Telegram. And if you just go to that Twitter handle at FSDPod, our pinned tweet at the top of the page takes you to the Telegram group. Just download the app from the Google Play or the Apple App Store and you will be able to jump straight into the group chat and fire us your questions, which we will try and tackle every single Wednesday on the show and this is one that we've been sat on for a couple of weeks because in all fairness we say every week we answer the questions but sometimes the football does take over and that's been what's happened in the last couple of weeks so we've had these questions that we've been sat on for a while including this one from Liam which is a really good question Um, I'll come to you first Joel on this one because I don't think it's as relevant to Marley it it's because is. Newcastle's rivals are like Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly it. So you kind of give. Have you worked out that our rivals are Southampton? I think he meant Portsmouth's rivals are Southampton. Your rivals also play in red and white. No, I mean like your rivals. Didn't mean have to meet. I mean your your outside rivals, the teams that are on your level. Well, kind one's of third from bottom and one's third from top. I'm not sure that. They're quite the same Joel, level. I mean, you've, you've had a you've, nightmare. I mean, there, you've Joel. tried to explain yourself and you've made it worse. You've had a torrid. You've had a <laughs> no, torrid time. I'll explain myself after the question. Uh, okay, okay, fine, fine. We'll give you a chance to explain, explain yourself. Myself. Here's the question. It comes from Liam on Telegram, and he says, "If you could sign one player from your bitterest rivals, which player would you take at your club?" I'm an Arsenal fan, <laughs> and I would happily sign Kulusevski from Tottenham Hotspur. At this point, Joel, you could name any Manchester City player. Well, Liverpool. Are they the biggest one? And every one of them again. <laughs> so, first of I all, mean, here's the big question. Who are Manchester United's bitterest rivals? We need to establish that first. It is Liverpool. Okay, Liverpool. Liverpool. So, you have to pick a Liverpool player then. One you'd take at Manchester United right now. And this is tough because you could just pick someone like Salah, who would be quality in any team. But what do Manchester United need the most yeah, honestly, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, that's would, a question. It would have to be someone from their forward line because we are lacking so much potency and just goals that it actually hurts to watch because defensively we've been not too bad when Rafa runs in the side. Um, so, yeah, I think it would have to be Salah, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily think he's an incredible player in terms of watching him. I wouldn't go to pay to watch him because he doesn't get involved in games massively, but he gets massively clutch goals every single game. He is the guy. That's why he scored so many goals in the last five years. So I think for me, probably Salah. And if it was judging on City, if you want to include them in it, I mean, it has to be Haaland, doesn't it? He would change any team. Yeah. I mean, Mohamed Salah is the best African player to ever play in the Premier League for me. Um, 
and there's been some absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. African players. I mean, Drogba is obviously one that fondly Drogba, yeah. is remembered, but the yeah, numbers, yeah, I think, well. it ha- yeah, 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 but it has to be Salah, sure. I mean, in terms of a player, I know he's a great goal scorer, but in terms of watching someone, I think I enjoyed watching like Drogba and Yaya more than Salah. That's not with a bitter heart, and I promise you, I swear to God. I'll tell you what, streets won't forget Quincy Awusu Bay, lads. <laughs> <laughs> they will not forget say, him. I'm, I'm literally seconds away from screaming about Shola Amiobi, so again, we better move on quick. Again. <laughs> right, we'll move How on. We and, and actually, Marley, this is a question I'm just going to change ever so slightly for you, because obviously, much to your delight, Sunderland are in the Championship right now, mm-hmm. and Newcastle United are third in the Premier League. So this is what I was saying. I, I can't... know Marley was trying to mix with the the good teams here and think that we're his rivals. That's I, why I, I see what you're saying, Joel, but I can't imagine Marley would pick anyone from Sunderland. Sunderland. Though, so. um, well, neither do I. That's why, that's why I'm <laughs> okay. glad he's changing the question because I can't name yet any Sunderland players. All right, then. We'll do it this way. Back when Newcastle and Sunderland... I'm not even being facetious. I genuinely really? can't, yeah. Back when Newcastle and Sunderland were both in the Premier League yeah, or any Sunderland player through the course of, of history, who's one you would have taken at Newcastle United? <sighs> Because um, they've had some good players at Stadium of Light over the years. You have, have to admit that. Darren Bent, when he had that 25-goal season, was decent. I'm only thinking of Phillips and Quinn back in the like, early 2000s. So Kevin Phillips, Phillips got, and Niall Quinn. Phillips got 30 uh, goals in a season, I think. So you think so him Phil- and Shearer like, and a Phillips and Shearer as the two up front would have been <laughs> ridiculous. Right. Um, and there's also the added... added um, benefit of neither of Sunderland's best players actually being from Sunderland because <laughs> uh, Phillips is an Essex lad isn't he I think uh, yeah. and Niall Quinn was Northern Irish so mm. um, yeah probably. I mean yeah you probably got to say Kevin Phillips Darren Bent never did anything for me to be honest in terms of Defoe was good to be fair I was I was always feared Defoe a little bit because he had that knack of like even if he was playing crap or the team was playing crap, he could still get a goal out of nothing. Um, so he was good. Other than that... I think there's I'm some pretty str- good suggestions. I'm struggling. Defoe, Phillips, it seems like goal scorers. Go- yeah. Which is quite funny when you bring it back to, even though they're rivals of your teams, you've both picked pretty much prolific goal scorers, Salah, yeah. Kevin Phillips, Defoe. I mean, do Newcastle even need like goal scorers? Like, if you were picking someone for who like there's a missing piece in the Newcastle team, would it be a striker still? Well, I guess what, not now? right now. Yeah, no. right now. No, uh, that's what I've based it off. No, no. I'd say if anything, we may, we might need a holding midfielder, but Lee I mean, Catamol. <laughs> I think I'd get in the team ahead of Lee. The fact that he is high when, when he left Sunderland and he went to I think was it VVV Venlo yes. in in, in Holland. Venlo, yeah. It was like is that your is that your level? Is that all at once? Yeah. Well, he went and then he retired. A, and he, he went like, out oh. in a blaze of glory by missing a penalty against Pompey in the Papa John's Trophy final. Brilliant. Oh, so uh, I remember Lee Catamore very fondly being in the. Uh, in the stands at Wembley that day. All right, great question, Liam. Really Wait, enjoyed that. what's yours that. for Southampton? Because they've had some good players over the years. It's hard to say. Oh, it's got to be Tin Hatless this year, hasn't it? it? I can't. I can't <laughs> pick him. I just can't. I mean, I can't really pick Francis Benali either. And actually, I've got to know Franny quite well by virtue of him coming on the dugout. And it's a shame because he's a really nice bloke and it's mm. hard to dislike him. But it's just inherent in me because he played so many games for those lot down the road. Who would I pick now, Joel, or who would have I picked back then? Just like over the course, over the course of the last like 15, 20 years. I mean, well, I've said this on the podcast before. I've seen a few Southampton games this season. And for me, the one player that I would pick right now would be Bella Kochap. I think he's been really good. Mm. I think over the years, they've had some really good players. I mean, you think Van Dyke, Dyke, Mane, Alan Shearer. Gareth Bale. Ah, oh, Bale's, Bale's. I think you have to say Gareth Bale, don't you? Or that, Bale but, or Shearer? It yeah, has but Bale, to be. Bale at Southampton wasn't. But he played for them. Yeah, I, he was yeah, going but, for like three million. But the, who, yeah, Spurs was, wanted him for three million. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but, no, um, but we were Birmingham. We were Birmingham better than Spurs at that point. Huh? We were Portsmouth were a better team than Spurs at that stage. Where we were getting into Europe, really. In, where we're a similar yeah. team to Spurs. We won yeah. the cup the same year that Tottenham won the League Cup. We won the FA Cup. Yeah. And Gareth Bale got pocketed by Steve Finnan at Wembley in 2010. And Steve Finnan basically said, well, I've had an after the FA Cup final that year, which we lost to Chelsea when Jogba scored a free kick. Yeah. Um, Steve Finnan was like, well, that's me done, lads. I'm retiring. Uh, and, you know, it, at, at the age of 37, he just, he just said to Gareth Bale, you're not, you're not, not today, mate. 
Um, and Harry Redknapp had actually left to go to Tottenham and become their manager. So uh, maybe if Bale had gone to a team akin to Portsmouth and we didn't have our financial troubles, obviously Tottenham are a way bigger club than us, but I'm just saying that the rejuvenation he had at Spurs, what's to say that that couldn't have happened at another club? You know, but that, mm. you know, there's, there you go. There's a, there's a question for you. That's a moment in time, but um, it's hard to say really, particularly because traditionally they've always been in a higher league than us, which I'm happy to admit because it's factual. Um, but the trophy cabinets tell a different story, don't they, lads? Yes, they do. Right, moving on. Next question. It's Angie's birthday today, so we thought it was only fair to include a question from her. Um, bit of a trivial one, really. She says, why do players get booked for taking their shirts off celebrating, but sliding around the pitch after scoring a goal isn't a yellow card? Marley, I think you came up with an answer to this one on our Telegram chat, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I think I think it's something to do with sponsorship, isn't it? You're not allowed to take your shirt off because it it stops sponsors getting exposure or something. But for me, that's that's like, what difference does that make? Do you remember when Nicholas Bentner took his shirt off around the pad, Paddy Power mm. yeah. boxes got and got like 100,000 fine? Yeah, yeah. got a big fine for that, yeah. Mm. Priorities um, for FIFA. But yeah. often you see players lift their shirts up and they have messages on a vest underneath. Mm. You know, but you can. Li- I think if you lift it up, it's fine. Is it not but like if you take it off, or something? Is not the light. It's not fine. I'm not it's sure. like, I think well, <clears throat> is it the amount of time it takes to, to put the shirt back so on? Trivial. Because when I was little, right, Rivaldo and Ronaldo, the two strikers for Brazil, mm. were like legendary. So you had Ronaldo with the stupid RoboCop fringe. reverse RoboCop Iconic. fringe. But Rivaldo, every time he would score, would take his shirt off and swing it round his head. Now I remember in the 2002 World Cup in Japan and South Korea, he would do that a lot. And when I was a little boy, I was eight or nine or whatever, I used to, when I used to score goals, I used to do that as well. And every time I used to do that, managers used to sub me off. Because so it, it would so take it me... So it wasn't a lot. Well, no, because I'd rip my shirt off. And then I'd, <laughs> as a little boy, it would take me so long to turn my shirt back the right way around that the ref couldn't get the oh game started God. for another three or four minutes. So the manager used to hook me off Skin tight and take me off. Um, but I've never understood why it was a yellow. I mean, there are reasons for it, I suppose. I mean, I guess that's a, probably a main one like what you say, Mark. Yeah. I, th- I think that is the reason. I don't agree with it at all. I, d- I don't see... like the, I, I understand like the emotion and stuff of scoring like a late goal. Um, and if, I don't know, players just do it, don't they? It's just one of them things where you, you, you lose yourself in the moment. And then, if you, especially when a player's already on yellow card and they've obviously like ripped the shirt off because they're so happy of scoring like a 90th minute winner. Yeah. And then the referee goes, sorry, I've got to book you. And like even sometimes you see referees sort of say sorry, but it's the rules, and it's like it's almost like they don't agree with it. Especially the worst part is you know when a player has like a tribute to someone who's died. That's the that's, biggest thing. I yeah. feel sorry for the referees because they get so much stick for that. You know when yeah. they have like a rest in peace someone on the undershirt and they mm-hmm. give him a yellow card. Yeah, I mean it is the rules, but yeah. bottom line. But that's where I hate. I'd be it, I'd be kind of interested to see if. What the rule is, like for example, if um, if a player scored, whipped his shirt off, and he was wearing another shirt underneath <laughs> it, what would happen? Yeah, you still get a yellow card. I think you still get a yellow, card, a yellow but, card, but like that would that would take out the sponsorship thing of what I've just said. So if if, I, I if the rule was sponsorship, I think it's just indecency. It's called excessive celebration. Oh, yeah, of according that? to the FIFA rules, that's book. pathetic. That it's like you know, uh, you used that's... to be, you used to be allowed to shush the crowd back in the day. That's and such a, a modern day rule, in it? Like, oh, excessive that. celebration because, you know, I know it's it's rooted in like crowd safety and stuff and there are sort of understandable reasons for it, but whipping your shirt off. Did I have you ever seen a crowd at Newcastle? Well, also nowadays. Bloody shirts off all the time anyway. Also nowadays, if you score a goal, whatever time of the game, let's say it's the 90th minute and it's a winner, you rip your shirt off in absolute delight. It goes to VAR and you're offside. The booking stands, exactly. even though the, the goal has stands. been shocking, that disallowed. That's so annoying. Did Adebayor get a yellow card for his excessive celebration? Yeah, I think, he did. He knew, I think, yeah, he did. That was, I, I would have, I would have took a fine for that one. I know. It was like <laughs> he almost should have been sent off. It. I mean, <laughs> if, that if there's excessive, and then there's what Adeb- <laughs> Do you know? I, I, t- I timed it once. He ran, so he scored on the six-yard box because it was a tapping. And he got to the way fans in eleven seconds. That's bolts. So he did. He did like ninety meters in eleven seconds. Like, 
Another 10 metres is 100 metres, so you're probably saying another half a second. 11 and a half seconds. That's that's a World Championship semi-final, that. Imagine the adrenaline that was pumping in that, though. (laughs) Just shows how fast Bolt was that he did it in 9.58, which is two seconds faster than what Marley said. But also, (laughs) Usain Bolt hasn't done 60. um, What what minute did Adebayo score him for that one? Because he was very late. He'd done a bit of uh, running around before it, Mm. so you get Usain Bolt with... (laughs) But do you think Adebayo should have been booked for that, what he did? Running across yeah. one end of the pitch to the yeah, other? Yeah, because he incited the away fans. Right. And it's di- that's different. Whereas mm. whipping your shirt off at Stamford Bridge when you've just got a winner for Chelsea is is different. There's a few reasons that have been thrown around. I've just Googled it. And one says about the sponsorship thing that you said. Another mm. is unable for the referee to identify the player. I don't oh, understand that it. at all. The one player's got his shirt off and the others all have their shirts on, so it's surely easier the, to identify. Also have the number on the shorts. Uh, an- another says... It was, it was the referee who got Gibbs and Oxlade-Chamberlain mixed up. Oh, unless he's, re- unless he's refereeing, was, you haven't got a problem. That was bad. And then, of course, Graham Pohl gave someone three yellow cards in a World Cup once Simulich, before sending yeah. them up. So Sending them off, sorry. <laughs> um, there's another one that says it could offend people of certain culture, certain religion. You know, the, the idea of someone being... <laughs> Bare skinned. Come off um, everyone's born without clothes on, so that would be my argument to that. Uh, it's a, it's you know it's a proper can of worms. This so it's a decent question, Angie, and I think the real answer is FIFA have never actually made a statement on why officially players be booked for taking their shirts off while celebrating. As yeah. for the knee slide thing, I think that's one more for the groundsman to get annoyed about. Um, well, I always slide tackles go in all the time. So. I always think of that with um, with groundsmen like. I often think like, you see a nice plush surface. They come out and they they stab it so it drains and stuff with the with the pitchforks and stuff. And then somebody scores a goal and does a knee slide, and eight of his teammates all do knee slides in the corner. But they look I, at you like they just wincing. I, I can almost see them like fuming in the corner, like I've got to f- repair that now, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I've, they're grumpy blokes at the best of time, groundsmen, yeah, aren't they? He's so. on the phone with his supplier saying, "I need I need another patch of grass for that corner because <laughs> Drogba was terrible oh, for it. Drogba, Drogba used to leave like... massive like huge grooves. I don't like, know how he got such a beautiful." lineage going all the way. It's like he had some extra nos button like Don Toretto <laughs> style. <laughs> do you know what? Is, you should you should always do it away from home though. You should not like sod their ground. I'm gonna tear up their corner. Well like Vardy in the flag. Yeah. Drogba's <laughs> celebration is a bit like Shearer's just hand in the air, simple. You know they're like he was just glad he was, he was elegant. He was like a swan. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh great player. Love watching Drogba. Good question as well, Angie. And that leads us on to our final question of the podcast today. And it comes from John, and he wants to know about Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy turns 36 in January. How long, realistically, do you think he has got left in him as he hasn't scored that many goals this season? Obviously, he was sent this question before last night where he did score two goals, albeit against the League Two team in the Carabao Cup second round at King Power Stadium. You've actually met Jamie Vardy, Marley, and you have mentioned many times on Football Social Daily about how sprightly he was and how much his longevity doesn't surprise you Mm. but as John rightly says on the 11th of January next year he'll turn 36 and he's just signed a two-year contract this season Mm. at Leicester City to continue that will keep him up to the age of 37 yeah do you think that'll be it for him after that I think that's it after that I think he's uh as much as he's he's still got you know still full of beans and stuff for for a 35 year old to, to sort of play how he plays and and stuff like that. I think I think the years of of non-league have have sort of shaped him into what he is, but also will catch up at him towards the end of his career. I think he's done well to get to thirty-five um, and still be before this season the main striker um, and still be scoring, you know, ten, twelve goals a season, like well into his thirties. I think he's the first player to ever get. 100 Premier Premier League goals after the age of 30, which is something that will again go down in history yeah. um, of of rare achievements. Um, but yeah, the years of of drinking Red Bull and and all the <laughs> stuff that is, is that makes Jamie Vardy Jamie Vardy. Yeah, will will catch up when well, you he, when you're 36 and you still like you seen him the other week, didn't you? Neck in the Red Bull before <laughs> he came on and scored a goal, and it's like that's amazing. However. It can't. It, it will. It, it has it? to. I mean, unless if it doesn't catch up with him, he, I mean, is, he is a medical. It hasn't caught. With he him. is a medical. Yeah, but what, but when you say it's the end, possibly for him, Marley, do you think that'll be it after his two-year contract expires at Leicester? 
Is he, that it he, for him well, entirely, or is he going to drop down? To, could he go back to Fleetwood, for example? I think he'll, he might end up with Sheffield Wednesday. Right. Because he's from Wednesday, and they released him as a 16-year-old. Yeah. So he might end up And they could be in the championship there. at this point, because they're doing well in League One at the moment. Yeah. Um, so maybe. If but, he feels like one of those players that could play until be he's 40. But it be his contract, and he'd, yeah. he'd then... Because you mentioned, you mentioned Kevin Phillips earlier. He played till he was 40, scored goals in the Premier League at 40. Mm-hmm. What's to say Jamie Vardy, who doesn't have the frame of a person who you think um, would, would get injured. Game, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's on pace. So do you think that we, if he does, does leave Leicester, let's just say, do you think that we will see him continue to play until into his 40s? I think we will. I mean, everyone takes the mick out of his like lifestyle and Jamie Vardy's having a party and all this stuff, but he's actually kept himself in top nick. If you look at all of the Premier League players, I mean, Rooney, he was done by the time he was probably 32, mm. maybe. And even though everyone knows that in his off time, he probably didn't look after himself amazingly well. Jamie Vardy, to still play at the top level of 36, still takes a lot of dedication. And I'm sure there's a lot behind the scenes we don't see in terms of how sacrificed he is in his day-to-day life. Because you see, even like, you know, Thiago Silva's Latin Ibrahimovic, they look like they could go on forever because they're genetically just blessed. Mm. Jamie Vardy's not a genetically blessed guy, but... I guarantee he's probably one of the most professional people at Leicester by an absolute mile in terms of looking after himself. And wasn't there meant to be a movie coming out of him? Yeah, I heard about yeah, this. Has that got shelved or something? Well, I'm not sure, but what we do yeah, know I about Vardy... Developing it through COVID, so maybe it got shelved. Is that... Or postponed. Yeah, possibly. But or Vardy actually owns a, an American Academy. soccer team called oh. Rochester, New York FC. Mm. And um, they're in the league called MLS Next Pro, which is basically the reserve league for the MLS. Mm. It comprises, I think, 20-something teams. And only one of them is an independent team, and that's Jamie Vardy's team. So they're all basically the reserve sides of all of the usual MLS crew. And then there's one independent team, which is his club. Do you think we could end up seeing him there? He owns a club. Maybe. It wouldn't be unusual to see him playing for it, I suppose. Yeah, makes sense. If he fancies a uh, a year in well to be fair if a guy who likes Red Bull and stuff goes to uh, goes to America and sees all the sugary drinks on offer there he might get another two years out of his career once he like once he lands there at Rochester Red Bulls or whatever they're called um, <laughs> but... Salzburg's a show could be a mar- marketing dream that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> new poster boy I can't see him going into management or anything like that though no yeah but then again mm, no. I couldn't see Paul Scholes being a pundit and here we are you know Paul Scholes haven't been a pundit yeah, and a manager yeah, but he's desperate for the money and he's Scholes it's a different, <laughs> it's a different thing didn't do, a, didn't do a media interview in his entire career practically and then realises the money dries up and he doesn't want to be a manager and he's got to do something for a, for a paycheck <laughs> so he gets on BT every now and again and moans at uh, whoever's with him but now Vardy's um, Vardy's a bit too moody and volatile for, for management I think I mean okay. He's, okay. I tried to interview him after a defeat um, it's about 10 years ago yeah I did the and other, he yeah. cleanly told me where to go yeah I, <laughs> he was I, just like no I did after I like, a defeat okay. to Southampton earlier on in this season spoke to him after a match and he was um, he was he was alright to speak to in all fairness it was the same day that it had been announced that he'd signed a new two year contract and I asked him about it and he was he said I'm not really that bothered because we've yeah. just lost a match mm. so um, it still hurts him it still hurts him and you know he's played however many hundreds of games and, and you know he's still got that desire to be successful so even though a couple of goals last night against the League 2 team doesn't mean a great deal in the grand scheme of things it would have mean, meant a lot to Jamie Vardy so who knows how long we'll see him playing in the Premier League for whether that be at Leicester or elsewhere but thanks for your question John that brings us to the end of AQA for today and of course the end of this episode of Football Social Daily but tomorrow on the show we will be having some FPL tips for you from Tom. He'll be back to do some FPL surgery on your squad should you need it before the final Premier League weekend ahead of the World Cup. And speaking of that World Cup, Gareth Southgate is announcing his squad and we'll be discussing that tomorrow as well. So that is it from us today. Thanks to Joel, thanks to Marley, and thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time on FSD. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.